0: Hello and welcome back to Spotlights, the podcast for the Yale Forum on Religion and Ecology. I'm your host, Sam Mickey, and this week I'm bringing you the second part of our two-part interview with Sandy Bigtree of the Indigenous Values Initiative. And our discussion picks up where we're getting into the roots of the whole problem of colonialism in the doctrines of discovery. So I'll let Sandy take it from here.
1: I know we go back to um, the, the root of all of this problem and um, one, one subject we cover at Scano, of course, uh, and we, um, we've conferences every year about the doctrines of discovery. Mm. And, you know, that was, um, they were written in the 15th century and pretty much um, they were papal bulls. They were issued, it issued the whole age of discovery. That any Christian could go into a non-Christian territory and claim it as their own, and take all the resources and enslave all the people um, forever, right? And this is a this is a major problem. You're talking about what can um, this other side do that is not indigenous? Um, need to educate everybody about what has gone on historically, um, because. Because this annihilation of indigenous people happened in Europe before it came here. Right. And and it's a direct lineage from the Roman Empire, you know, and then becoming, you know, this this papal decree to just ravage and steal everything all over the world. The first one pertained to Africa, and then the second pertained to the Americas with Columbus. Mm-hmm. And um And it gives right to title, to land. Even even at the Scano Center, um, when those Jesuits came in 1656, they arrived with a deed to 600 square miles of land in 1656. Wow. Claimed it all their own. And we've got the the document, a copy of it on display. And it's right there in your face. Um, Everyone has been controlled to enable monarchies to just ravage the land that's yeah. where all the money's gone um but we have a conference every year um i think you're you're hearing more about it not enough though i mean it really needs to get out there it's a major topic at the un um we're fiscal sponsors for the american indian law alliance hmm. um and and they take on these issues at the united nations and they've been doing it for uh, Thirty years or, or more. Um, Orrin Lyons was very active uh-huh. in a lot of addressing these issues pertaining to environment and human rights and justice and all of that. And um, it's um, it's kind of um, right at the forefront <laughs> yeah. of this issue. So um, anyway,
0: cool. yeah, I know. Uh, you know, living in northern california these last few years we've just been hit with terrible wildfires in wildfire season and Mm -hmm. people have pointed out you know one of the reasons is because uh, the native inhabitants of the land haven't been allowed to practice their cultural practice of controlled burns and people are like yeah climate change is part of it sure sure but the solution is indigenous sovereignty and Mm -hmm. uh, so this kind of reclaiming these histories and collaborating it's really you know just simply a matter of of life and death uh Mm -hmm. and uh and i think you know it's it's a thing that needs to happen in our educational system where people realize how how terrible that history is and how much it's hurt everybody like sometimes people are like oh the the oppressor is okay the oppressed person gets off bad like it ultimately is destroying everybody
1: it's destroying everybody absolutely and the doctrine of discovery is still alive and active in property law in the United States. Hmm. And Justice um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg actually quoted um, the Doctrines of Discovery in her very first footnote denying um, the Oneida land claim. Really? In 2005. Wow. Because it would overturn the Doctrines of Discovery.
0: And they were like, we can't do that. We
1: think it's an ancient document, but it's so relevant to this um, governance. Unbelievable.
0: Today. If they overturned that, then all kinds of land back initiatives would have to go through. Interesting. All right. So I think attacking the doctrines of discovery has got to be (laughs) high on people's list at this point.
1: But it has to do with how food is grown, how corporations can just move in and dictate how you're going to eat. I mean, it's really connected to who has the right to do that. Yeah. But it really goes back to those doctrines saying um, it just set the system in place, you know, to authoritative uh, voice, and now it's not so much pertaining to uh, religion as it is to power, right? Corporations, yeah. So it's. Um,
0: terrible yeah it's pretty it's yeah. pretty terrible in general working with like environmental justice issues always feels like that's like just so heartbreaking it's just so terrible and mm-hmm. yet working with other people who are in this field is always feels very empowering and when you hear about all the good things that are happening so there's so much good and so much bad at the same time mm-hmm. um, so I'm wondering how do you keep I don't know like emotionally stable doing this kind of work, right? It's it's very (laughs) difficult. And I think, I mean, especially this last year with the pandemic, everybody's just so exhausted and like, how do you, how do you stay motivated? Or it's like, what's a tip that you could give to other folks who are maybe feeling a little depressed or anxious or, you know, dealing with the grief and the loss. Uh, What's, what's a way to stay, I don't know, hopeful, or I don't know if that's even the right word.
1: You've got to be active. You've got to be engaged. It is really depressing. And um, it's been a difficult year, you know, not really being able to do what we usually do. Um, I know a lot of, I have such a dear friend. <laughs> she takes everything so seriously. She's always like spraining her foot or breaking her back or, <laughs> I mean, you do, you, you take it physically. Yeah. And it really does wear and tear on your health. Um, but you've got to keep active. Um, I don't know. The more people that do it, the sooner there'll be a change, right? Right. But a grief is certainly something that was at the core of establishing the Hood and Um That's a, a, one of the first steps that was taken to returning back to peace. Hmm. They had fallen from um, their original instructions, and and um, there was a lot of murder there was a great sorcerer called the Tadadao who was in charge of all the um, indigenous people in this area. And a peacemaker came to Onondaga Lake 1000s of years ago. And um, he knew he had to turn this the mind around of this um, violent sorcerer. And so um, he set about to bring all of the different nations together. And the first person he encountered was a woman. And her name is Jokonsase, he recognized her huge heart. And what he did was, um, because she fed both sides, she wouldn't take sides, she just loved everybody. He said, but I have a bigger task for you. And you need to reinstate the clan identity with women, you need to go into the forest. And we need to start back to this proper relationship with the natural world. And so it began with her establishing Um, clan system again. And then it went and he went next to Hiawatha who was laden with grief because five of his daughters had been burned or uh, murdered in war, not burned, but murdered. And um, so he condoled Hiawatha. um, And because Hiawatha needed to speak clearly, and no one can have clear words if if they're emotionally distraught. Mm. So he went through this process of condolence. And so um, wampum belts were used to condole him hmm. and bring about this, that rebalancing of his body in this ritual. And um, those wampum beads are what were used even through today in wampum belts, hmm. any kind of agreement with the United States or other countries or other native nations. Wampum belts are the exchange. Hmm. Never was money. It was this ritual object. And, um, So these agreements would be made with the underlying tone that these are the wampum beads that condoled Hiawatha. So if you don't uphold this agreement, then you're going to have grief Mm. and you'll return back to that state of despair. So grief and acknowledgement and condolence is all embedded in all the documentation of these wampum beads, right? So when everyone joined, they were able to to turn the mind of Tadadao, Ta- Ta- and um, he became the central focus of the Haudenosaunee. He became what could be interpreted as a president of these five nations hmm. because he had turned around the farthest. The peacemaker appointed him the central figurehead of all of this. So that title is still held by um, Sid Hill today at the Andaga Nation. He speaks hmm. at the United Nations all fifty titles, in fact, that were um, distributed to these different clan lead, um, representatives, still exist today. And those title holders meet regularly on a dog at Onondaga, the central fire. So this is a, such an ancient tradition that is still in effect. And um, the core of that is condolence. And they brought it around, and and they lived in peace for thousands of years. By the time Europeans came here, right?
0: Wow. That's remarkable. Yeah. And to think that, you know, the foundations for that kind of political solidarity have this emotional component. We often think emotions, that ah, that's not a big part of politics should be just purely rational. Like, right? oh, yeah. Maybe we're missing something there. And uh, especially to think that grieving as well as gratitude, right. That these kinds of things are mm-hmm. essential for the political process. Uh, I think, um, that's just sorely sorely lacking we don't have a lot of tools for that and it's like well wait there's this history right here right mm-hmm. and we can uh, yeah. use that kind of history and reconstruct that to maybe bring some grieving practices uh back into our own lives now
1: and transform american democracy to what it should have could have reco- uh, become had they yeah. listened, or had the ability you know to listen yeah,
0: exactly yeah, that makes me feel pretty good uh, to know that there's still a possibility for democracy. That, yeah. there's, that they're really, you know, it's not going to be easy. Uh, but there is, uh, there's communities, there's people who are working on it, especially mm-hmm. intact traditions like that. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's really special. And I think the more that Americans realize the origins of American democracy, right. and that real history... Uh, then we could mobilize really quickly, and we could see a lot of change rapidly.
1: I think so. And the unifier is the earth, and the yeah. water, and the air, the land.
0: Yeah, I like That's that. A great yeah.
1: unifier for sure.
0: That are yeah. the common ground we have is is our literal it's common actually, ground. Actually, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> how are we going to find new, common
1: ground?
0: <laughs> <laughs> like it's right. It's just right here. It's, it's the ground. How hard That's is fine. that? <laughs> Oh, uh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's coming up next for you? What do you got uh, going on? What are you looking ahead to for for your work or any new projects?
1: Um, we're going to have a wooden stick festival. Mm-hmm. Lacrosse also, the first games were played at On Lake. And oh. lacrosse is a medicine game among clan oh. people, which you, that's all you need to know about that. But it's very complicated and it involves cosmology Hmm. Who are part of. And so it's um, a very ancient sacred game. And it was originally played as part of the peacemaking process among the men at Omdogga Lake thousands of years ago. So this is also the birthplace of the cross as we know it today. Um, not to take away from all the other ball games that were played <laughs> all over the Americas, but this, this game particularly came from the Haudenosaunee. And um, so we have a festival every year at Onondaga Lake to try to bring people down there and you know teach them about this sacred place and also the sacred sport. (laughs) Right, Um, that's the origin of all sports. Really, came so um, commercialized, commodified, you know, but. but it is—it is a sacred. All sports are sacred. You, you never experience in your body, you know, yeah. have the opportunity to experience that, unless you're an artist or a singer or in the arts or yeah. performance or sports. Um, mm. uh, it contributes so much to so many people. So we're having that in um, um, the 11th and 12th of September. <laughs> give me (laughs) um the 11th and 12th of September and we have it right on the shores of Onondaga Lake it's beautiful Mm -hmm. there's um it's all outdoors and they play with wooden sticks and leather balls and the backdrop is the gorgeous lake
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and um and then we'll be having a doctrine of uh discovery conference again um in the fall we haven't set the date yet but we do have a website that if if you are interested and would like to check in it's indigenousvalues.org
0: nice yeah i'll make sure to uh to add a link to that when i post this too Uh okay. yeah it's a great great way to connect yeah and geez that's that sounds fun uh i, I don't think I'll be able to make it all the way to the East coast. It's tough. I try not to travel that much, but if it's getting, you know, oh, but things know. like that, then it feels pretty justifiable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. And I'll definitely keep an eye out for the Doctory discovery conference. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I realized how, uh, what pernicious and insidious that is? It's kinda of, I did I was under the yeah. impression it's like, no, people are criticizing it. It's going away gradually. I didn't realize yeah. how persistent yeah. it was. Uh, oh, yeah. so yeah, I appreciate that. Well, all right, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but well, one you. more thing. What would be one tip that you could give folks who want to get uh more involved with this work, aside from Indigenous Values Initiative? Is there a book? that you'd recommend or maybe just a simple practice just one kind of tip for for people who want to get a little more involved
1: um well it's all about education and that's all we're doing you know the indigenous values initiative i mean certainly scope out the indigenous communities in your area you know and work with them listen to them give them a platform to speak um contact your legislators who are silencing voices and you know there's um certainly work at at every corner because this continent is full of indigenous peoples um we have um oh the scano center you can go on that site you can get the uh, thanksgiving address booklet it's in Mm. over a dozen different languages um you can go to scano what is the can find it through our site, because we're different. Scano is still through the Historical Association. OK. But right. uh, we we still uh, schedule all the conferences and you know, the right. major work that needs to be happening there. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, in our site, there's links to the American Indian Law Alliance so you can see what's going on at the United Nations. Um, I don't know. That's, That's yeah. That's Our books Exiled in the Land of the Free is written by <laughs> edited by Orrin Lyons and John Mohawk. Um, basic Call to Consciousness. Yeah. Basic uh, Call to Consciousness. 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 It was about a trip they took to Geneva oh. in 19, 19- I think it was 1977. There were a lot of indigenous leaders that went over there to address the UN. Um, the American Religious Freedom Act wasn't passed until 1978. So you were punished, spoke right. of your religion or your culture. So as soon as that veil started to lift, I mean, they were right to the UN, in Geneva as soon as they could right. talk about the injustices, right. but basic call to consciousness is quite a an eye opener. "An, mm. an exiled in the land of the free is another really great book. Um, we have, I think, bibliographies on our website as well, IndigenousValues.org. Not to keep promoting that, but
0: that's where we <laughs> no, try that's to, try to focus it all yeah. to make
1: it accessible to people. You know, exactly. Uh huh. Um, see, also uh, DoctrineOfDiscovery.org.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, we we kind of handle that as well. To learn more about that, we have speakers like Stephen Newcomb, who
0: mm-hmm.
1: started, you know, this fire lit the fire like 30 years ago. Um, uh, yeah.
0: Nice. That's great. Those are a lot of good sources. A lot of directions to to go, and uh, and you've left me feeling good about the future. So, so thanks.
1: Oh, can't can't lose hope.
0: Still yeah. Right. Hope
1: sometimes, but. Yeah can't i mean we're we still have water to drink and air yeah earth
0: that's hasn't given
1: up so we have no right to give up yet you know
0: that's a great um, way to put it yeah mm-hmm. earth hasn't given up we're not it's, giving up yeah. right mm-hmm. awesome that's great perfect i can't imagine a better note to end on earth hasn't given <laughs> up we're not giving up that's uh, right well geez sandy big tree thanks for coming on really Thank appreciate you. it and okay. uh and thanks to everybody for tuning in Uh, We'll be back next week with uh, another episode for you. In the meantime, take care and be well.